Welcome to Planes, Trains, and Kids Abroad. I'm your host, Erica Budd, and my goal is to inspire you to travel with your kids to other countries. From single parents to families of eight, each experience is different and each person provides a different perspective. If you like the show, please leave a podcast review and help other listeners to find the show. Don't forget to check out my award-winning picture book, Travel Rangers Mission to Australia, and take your kids on an adventure to learn about the country and culture of Australia. Now, let's meet our next guest. Today on the show, I am joined by Kelly McIntyre. Kelly is the wife and mother of two daughters who are now 21 and 22 years old. She and her family live in Alabama, and she recently published her round-the-world family travel memoir, The Passport Project. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Erica. I am so happy to be here. I am happy to have you on the show. So let's start by telling our listeners a little bit about your family. Well, um, as you mentioned, I've got a husband and two daughters, and they are now young adults, but we started traveling with them uh, really straight away. Our youngest was three months old the first time she was on a plane and nine months old the first time out of the country. And we just, um, for that, that was our sport, I guess you could say as a family, like as our daughters were growing up, you know, they they did some sports, but we weren't, we were not a hardcore sport family. And so we turned travel into our sport. And so from a very young age, we started exploring the world and we, we started um, somewhat close by, you know, Central America. First trip for them was Mexico, which is probably pretty normal. Most Americans first trip (laughs) tends to be Mexico, but we, um, we started out with Mexico and the Caribbean, the Bahamas, and then we started moving through uh, Central America. And then um, by the end of elementary school, we were really spreading our wings and heading out to Asia and going beyond there. So they, they spent their childhood with their breaks and summers. That's, that's what we tended to do. I love that though, because it's true. Every, every family has their thing, right? Some people it's, 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 sports and yours is travel. I, I love that. I mean, it's in, and it's just another way to do a family thing, right? It's another, it's another way of bonding. It's another way of, of being together. Right. So it is. And I think we really got intentional, probably late elementary school, very, very intentional. And I think because that's the time when sports really can either you're going to be a sporty family or you're not. It seems that by late elementary school, that's, I don't know, it's almost like you've, you've got to choose it because it's not like when I was growing up, if you did a sport, it was two days a week and maybe a game on a weekend. And now if you do a sport, it, it's your life. And we saw so many of our friends that their families really became divided because you had one kid who was doing travel soccer and then the other kids doing travel dance or whatever. And they, they spent their weekends and breaks apart, you know, parents would divide. I'll take this one, this place, and I'll take this one, that place. And, and that just did not appeal to us. So we thought, well, you know what, if, if they're going to go all in on sports, we're going to go all in on travel. And yeah. That's you bring up a good point, though, because I'm both. I am very passionate about travel, as you know, um, and I'm I'm introducing my son, so he's excited about it as well. But 
we have also been introducing him to sports and I find myself, I mean, he's pretty much in something now he's only eight, so it hasn't become too serious, but I find myself thinking like next summer, I wanted to take a month off and, and stay somewhere for a month and take him with me. I'm like, how am I going to fit this in between baseball and swimming? And I, I do find myself in that situation. Cause it's like, I want to experience all these things with you. I don't want to miss your sports. It's, it's right. actually a tough situation to be in because I don't want to choose. And so what I'm probably going to do is, is you're going to just miss a little bit. I, th- I don't, I don't know. I don't even know because <laughs> as he gets older, he won't be able to do that. Right. So I don't right. know. That's going to be a tough situation for me because I don't want to give that up. So right. we'll see. <laughs> but you just brought that up. It's like, I know I'm in that situation. It's yes. so hard. Um, it is so hard. Do. And it, yeah. and it just gets harder the older they get because especially even by middle school, I mean, the coaches, they, they expect sports to be these kids' lives. And when the parents like, but wait, I I want to, I want to take my kids somewhere. And I don't know, we just, we were never that diehard into sports for it to be a conflict for us, but it, it is a, it's a real dilemma. It is a dilemma. It is one that I will have to tackle. I'm sure a lot of parents do. Yes. Now, now though, you've been to what I believe your girls have been to about 40 countries. They have. So my husband and I have each been to about 50 and our daughters have been to uh, 40. So our, our Riley, who is our younger daughter, she hit her 40th country this summer and she did a study abroad in Greece. And that was that was her her big 4-0. I love that. I love so. that. So when. And I'm sorry if you said that. What, when did they start? Like, what age did they start traveling overseas? Like, what was their first trip overseas? Well, their first trip, well, overseas, overseas, like, as far as, like, no, not Central. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Or Mexico. Not, Mexico counts, but I think it's just as Mexico. an American, you just always go there. <laughs> yeah, you always go there. Well, okay, so in early elementary school, we really did um, a lot of Central America. We did. Uh, Belize, we did Panama, and then we did the typical Bahamas and Caribbean, and they hit all that stuff. But at the end of elementary school was, I would say, the first really big overseas. And we went to Thailand and Cambodia over Christmas break when they were in the fifth and sixth grades. And it's funny because, you know, most families hit Europe before they hit Asia and yeah so yeah and we just yeah we do too and and I just we just think Asia is better for kids than Europe at at a young age you know yeah I think you've got to be a little older to really appreciate everything that Europe has to offer but Southeast Asia is just magical for kids yeah no I get it you're right I I agree that I think it's it's an area that people just don't think about I think especially for Americans. The first place you want to go is usually Europe. I don't, you know, that's just what we see in movies and TV and glamorous. It's what we read about it or, you know, it's just what we know. We don't really learn about other countries or other continents even, you know, Australia is probably the only one other than Australia and Europe. I feel like are the ones that you hear about, but you're right. Well, that brings up a great point because before we did Thailand and Cambodia, so this would have been mid to latest elementary school, we we were thinking we really want to do something big-ish. And we were even talking about maybe we'll go live somewhere for six months. And our first, uh, you know, our, our first 
reaction to that was, oh, we'll go to Australia. And we, there was a family in our neighborhood who had done a, a full gap year and had traveled around the world. So we took them to lunch and we just said, hey, here's what we're thinking. We're thinking Australia. She, and the, the mom goes, oh my goodness, do not do that. She said, it's, Australia is fabulous, but culturally it's not that different. different you, yeah. She said, you have got to go to Southeast Asia. And we're like, oh, okay. And, um, and that was really that the first conversation that really opened our eyes to it. So we totally redirected, uh, planned this trip to Thailand and Cambodia. We did three weeks over there, Christmas break. Typically they would get two weeks. And then a lot of times we would add an extra week just to stay longer. And what's really funny. So we had already had this family goal. We'd set a family goal when they were in elementary school that we would take them to every country except Antarctica before they finished high school. And so we thought, and we also thought we'll start with just Asia, just because it's, it's just so great for kids and we'll, we'll, we'll save Europe for it until they're a little older and they can really appreciate the history and all that comes with that. Um, but anyway, so on this trip, this three week trip, and we just thought, oh, this is so great. I mean, we're traveling independently. You know, we I've planned this whole thing. It's, it's just us. And it's, and we have another family traveling with us who had kids the exact same ages and our family, we were carrying these red, Osprey backpacks. And that was all we were taking for the three weeks. So my husband and I were totally high-fiving each other thinking, look at us, three weeks, just a backpack. And we were in the Bangkok airport and there was this other American family there and they were carrying the identical red backpacks. And so we struck up a conversation with them and it turned out they were traveling for a year with that same backpack. And and it turned out we were going to the exact same place in Chiang Mai, staying at the same hotel. Really? So we, yeah, wow. it was talk about serendipity. Yeah, like that was so it was meant for us to, to meet them. And so we came back from that trip with a broader goal. We were like, well, not only do we want to take them to six continents, we want to do a gap year or a gap semester. And wow. so meeting them really, really changed our perspectives because they were just like they had two middle schoolers and um, they figured out a way to do it. And this is, you know, now this was nine years ago. So this you know, now people have learned to work remotely and school remotely and all that. So it was it was a. I guess a bigger step then well, than I think triggered it though. See, it really yeah. was meant to be, wasn't it? It, it was. was meant to be because what are the chances? Exact same everything. I mean, yes. But now look at you. So before we get into your sabbaticals, um, mm -hmm. I did want to ask you because you mentioned all of your travel with the kids up until then. Um, so was it mainly like summer, winter, extended like summer, winter, spring breaks? Is that how you did yes. it? And mostly winter and spring break. So my husband, uh, he's a real estate agent. So the busy season is spring and summer. So we would never travel in the summer. Okay. And and we would always travel over Christmas break and, and take an extra week if we needed to. And then that just that did not impact us financially like it would trying to take time off in the middle of summer. Got it. OK, no, that makes sense. Yes. Yes, um, but yeah, but up until that point, all of our trips would be, you know, one, two, three weeks. 
Yeah, and, and I speak with, you know, a lot of parents are like wondering, how can we do this? I mean, that's one thing to think about with sports, right? Because during yeah. holiday breaks, usually sports aren't going on. At least I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's not true. <laughs> but they, right? Like, it's uh, like well, so it, take off during my like, Okay, your son's eight, but when he gets older, that if they expect okay, you to give up, so you don't want to know what happens when they get older. They really expect you, or at least, I mean, and I think most parts of the country are as sports crazy as the South. It's they pretty much expected you to give up your breaks for okay. sports. Well, yeah. Okay. You just sorry about that. There goes that idea, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now real quick, your overall travel philosophy. I love your travel mm. philosophy. Can you share that with our listeners? Oh, well, yeah. So we have a very uh, multifaceted travel philosophy, but we definitely believe that travel is the single greatest gift that you can give your children. Um, it always fits. It never breaks. It never needs an upgrade. It never goes out of style. And the memories that you create, they last forever. So and the worldview that comes with exposing your children to other cultures and places just is unparalleled. There is no gift that matches that. Um, we believe that the lessons that you learn through travel cannot be duplicated in a classroom. And that's a big part of, of why we did sabbaticals. But you don't have to do a sabbatical to, to still get those lessons. You still learn those lessons, whether it's a one week or a two week trip, but just to, to put yourself in in different cultures. Um, and we really believe in this that I just really want to share with your listeners is, you know, you can have, you can desire to see the world. And if you just look at these glossy travel brochures and you see those prices, you think, oh, I could never afford to go to these places. And what we have learned is that most of the world can be explored for far, far, far less than the, than the glossy brochure prices. And I mean, and I don't just mean like traveling to third world countries. I mean, the Galapagos Islands. I mean, going to the Maldives. I'm talking African safaris, like all of those things that seem to have these huge price tags. If you look at the travel brochures can really be done for just for a fraction of that. And, and one thing that I do, so we have a, um, I have a travel blog is when I figure out how to do it on a budget, then I always share all that information on my blog because I want other families to be able to do it too. I don't want them to just see the price tag and automatically dismiss, oh, we could never take our kids on a safari. Actually, yeah, you really could. And here's how you can do it. Yeah. And it's interesting because the more and more people that I have on my show and who are traveling, like Eric with Travel Babble, right? 100, con yeah. 100 countries, all continents. And he looked for deals. He looked for bargains. He's using frequent flyers. He's going off season. Like people who travel a lot don't do it necessarily because they have all kinds of money. It's because oh. they're they're still looking for the deals. They're just, they're just, it's a priority. So they make things work. And, and right. yeah, which is, I think it's important for everyone to remember. It's not necessarily because these people have loads of money. It, that's no. not that's not usually the case. It's maybe they might have a little bit more money and they might, might get one extra trip in there or something like that. You know, I mean, that's really right. It's, it's still the discounts. It's still the deals. Um, and, and I think you and I will speak about that a little bit later. But I think it's important to remind people it's not 
don't take yourself out of it just because you think that you can't afford it. Like, right. like we talked about, most people don't think about Asia. Asia is very affordable. South America, yes. very affordable. A lot of places mm-hmm. in Africa, very affordable and wonderful places to visit. And if anything, I hope as more and more people hear people on my podcast, they realize maybe this is an option that we can consider. It doesn't have to be. Not not that Europe's not great. We, we know Europe's great. Just that if that's an issue, the money part is keeping you from traveling. Try other countries first. Right. You Absolutely. Know? So, okay. Well, let's move on. The one thing I did want to, uh, regarding your travel philosophy, was I know you had said that it's a time that we're all going in the same direction, experiencing the same things and growing together, uh, which I loved. I love that. Because yes. it's so true. It's it's one thing is... It, this is all something that you'll memories that you're making for a lifetime, right? And right. you probably each get something different out of it, but it's something that you're all doing together. It's something that it's just I love I love that. I thought that was really beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Well, because I mean, families are so um just everyone's going in their own direction, whether it's work or extracurriculars and and there's just very little family time. So there's nothing like there's just nothing like travel to to bond and and what's funny is if you think about just to put it back in sports terms and I'm not bashing sports I mean sports are great and there are so many wonderful life lessons that come from sports and being part of a team I mean that's super important so don't think I'm discounting that but you know over Christmas dinner you're not going to sit around and talk about the one time the kid scored the winning touchdown right or when you when you travel, you're talking about the time that we all, you know, got bolly belly or we, you know, it's. No, I see what you're saying, because, yes, you, you're definitely going to be excited for your child when they do something great in their sports. And you definitely speak about that. But this is different because it's something that you can all be a part of. Right. And you're right, all really right. excited about it. So yeah. I, I get what you're saying. It's it's that bond that you all have. So no, that makes sense. Now, for all you sports lovers out there, we are not knocking yes. sports at all. We get the benefits of sports. We get that you are all behind yes. it. It's definitely not something. This is just something a different. It's it's yes. honestly very similar. The people that are passionate about mm-hmm. sports, it's a very similar it, travel. It really is. Ways. Yeah. And it's also nice, okay, for for those kids who aren't sporty and they feel like they don't fit in because they're not part of that, that it's it's a way to give them something that that is theirs, you know, that they own and that gives them an identity. And I think more than anything, like all kids need an identity, whether they're, you know, whether they're the 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 musical kid or the, you know, the sporty kid or the whatever. But if you don't fall into any of those, it's nice to be, OK, well, you're the travel kid. That's that's a great point, too. That's a great point, too. Okay, so let's get into your sabbaticals. Your first sabbatical. How old were the girls? Or how old were they? And yes. What grades were they in? Yeah, they were in the seventh and eighth grades. And so we, t- so they were 12 and 14 while we were actually gone. And so we told them about it, uh, you know, maybe six, six to nine months prior to us leaving. But they missed, um, yeah, they each missed half of either seventh or eighth grade. Okay. And so basically, because it was a semester that you took off, right? Yes, we did. Yes. So basically what we did, we took off, we let them, 
our older one ran cross country. And so, you know, the cross country season is uh, right at the beginning of the school year. And uh, or at least that's, that's how it is where we lived. And so, and, and also that's still kind of the tail end of the real estate season. So what we did was we let them go to school the first nine weeks and then we pulled them out in October. And then, so they missed the second and third nine weeks of school. So they started the year with their friends and they ended the year with their friends. They just missed everything in the middle. Got it. Okay. And that makes sense. So, but it it wasn't well received by both girls. (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) So our oldest one, she was, she was 13 when we announced that we were going to do this. And, um, she insisted we were ruining her life. And there was a lot of tears and a whole lot of drama. And our younger one, she's super adventurous, always has been, still is. Um, she was on board from the very beginning. She was just, sign me up. I, this is amazing. Uh, the older one was devastated. She's like, are you kidding? Like, middle school, eighth grade is the best year of middle school. How can you make me miss eighth grade? Um, but, and, and she really, I mean, she was really upset, really upset. And so upset that it really caused me to doubt whether we were doing the right thing. And I went to lunch with a friend one day and I was just telling her, I just, and this friend loves to travel too. So she's super adventurous. So she was super supportive of our decision. So I was telling her, I just, I don't, I don't know if we can go through with it. And she said, are you kidding me? You are going to let a 13 year old, you know, hormonal teenage girl steal your dream. And I was like, hmm, well, when you put it that way, no, I'm not. And so, so we were, we were resolved. She, she was still upset, but I'll tell you what, what, what did get her on board is, so our initial plan was to do the whole sabbatical to spend all of it in Asia and Australia and New Zealand, because our philosophy was we really wanted to do the stuff that was really far away or expensive, you know, Australia and New Zealand are expensive and far away. And we thought Europe, they can do on their own when they're older. It's quick. It's easy. It's it's, it's easy to get there for a quick one week or two week trip and you know, if you're going to go halfway around the world, you should stay a while. So that was the plan just to to spend the whole time in that part of the world. But Delaney was, and she still is a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. And she said, the only way I will get on board is if we go to London. And so, and we had this huge wall map, floor to ceiling wall map pinned and and we we and we call it the Wall of Dreams, and that's where we pin and plan all of our trips. And so we were like, Delaney, let's go to the Wall of Dreams. So we go down, and we're like, Look, London is here, and then we're, and the other part of the world is here. It just does not make sense. And she said, It's not fair. Everyone's getting to go where they want to go, and I pick London. And my husband were like, Well, all righty then. I guess we're going around the world. And so that. That really changed everything to, to making it a true around the world trip. So and, where all, where uh, all did you go? Sorry. Yes. Okay. So on that. So b- because of that, and it's funny because we all absolutely loved London, and none of us had ever been. And mm-hmm. so we so we went to Iceland first because we flew Iceland Air, 
and you could get a free stopover in Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you fly Iceland Air from the U.S. to London, you can get a free okay. stopover. So that's and that's a good budget tip, right? Exactly. Little stopovers. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of got us like a free stop there. So we anyway, so we started in Iceland, then England, Italy, Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, and then China. Wow. And this was over how many months? Five. Five months. Okay. You really did hit a lot of different countries. You were all over. We we were all over. I think we averaged something like three nights per place. We stayed in 40 something different places. It was, it, it was fast and furious. And, and, you know, and that's an interesting um, you know, that's just, that's just kind of a fun, would you rather question, you know, would you rather see more places, but not stay very long? Or would you rather, you know, get to know a place a lot deeper and travel to fewer places? So I pros that. and cons to both. There are, I definitely, I definitely understand that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you're doing this over five months. Schooling. Talk to us about Ah. world schooling. Yeah, so that's that's a great question because we are a normally we were a traditional school family. I've never considered homeschooling. We are super happy with our with our school situation, but um, but world schooling was it. it, What we did was uh, we picked online programs for science and math. And so they just had an online curriculum and whenever we had Wi-Fi, they would do their lessons. And then as far as English and social studies, we had our blog. And so I required them to write blog posts about the places we went. So for every country, they had to write at least one blog post about something they did or learned or experienced. And then they also read books about the places we were going to give them perspective so they would learn. And and that really ticked off English and social studies because every day was social studies. Yeah. You know, every day you're learning about new religions and new cultures and history and languages and currency. And that's and, why it's called world schooling though, right? That's what's called. Right, right. That's, they are learning just by traveling. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if we were to do it again, and if you have any listeners that are considering world schooling, and especially, especially for like, like a, just a a gap year or a gap semester situation where you're not, you're not doing this forever. Like for us, it was just a, a a brief period. Looking back, I wouldn't have even worried about science. I wouldn't have had them do a science curriculum it it doesn't matter I mean in middle school and <laughs> not to offend any science teachers out there but th- there's nothing going on and because you're you're experienced sciencey stuff anyway when when you go to when you hike a volcano or you're learning about you know the land of fire and ice I mean you're, you're getting those lessons so I just I wouldn't have stressed as much on like having a true curriculum the only curriculum it was you know staying on track with math you know you definitely don't want to get behind on math but if you can 
stay on track with that. I think everything else is the education. Well, and I think it's important to to point out that this is not something homeschooling is not anything you were familiar with before. So not it's not all. like this is just normal for you. You had to learn it and it was f- like you, you made it just fine. Um, and you said that there was a lot available online to help you. Oh, there there are so many resources just because the, you know, the homeschool community is is quite robust in the United States. Yeah. So there there are so many resources. Some are paid, some are free. Um, like Khan Academy is amazing. You can get any curriculum for free on Khan Academy. But but yes, so I knew nothing at all about homeschooling. And I would say if you were considering world schooling and you think, oh, I'm not equipped to to do this, you are absolutely equipped to do this. And it's and it is the my the the takeaway for my daughters from that one semester of their life they learn more in that one semester that will serve them for the rest of their lives than they did the other 12 and a half years that they sat in the classroom, like without a doubt. Yeah. Now for parents who still worry, it's like, yeah, I get it, but they still have to come back and go to school. How I, much did it affect them at school? Like did everything translate oh, over? How was the school yeah. itself? Like, okay. So, and this is, it is important to know that every state has their own, homeschooling requirements. So so your listeners would need to figure out what the requirements are for their state. But I'm in Alabama and the requirement here was that you had to be in what's called a cover school or an umbrella school, which is basically we just filled out a form to to enroll in a a school and then they at the, at the end of the semester I just sent them um uh, I guess the paperwork where they would create a transcript and they created a transcript of, so I would say, Oh, we read these books and for English, you can read this website. And this was the math curriculum they did. And this was the science curriculum. And then that school, I mean, that cover school, they created a transcript that then we then took back to our public school when we re-enrolled. And it was seamless. It was literally seamless. They just stuck the form in the file. It, it, it certainly checked the box that, yes, these girls have been educated for the past five months. And, and they plugged right in. There, there was, it was seamless. Interesting. And, and so when they started back up the next semester, they were, I mean, were they a little bit behind or? No. Yeah, that's wonderful. Not See, at all. I think it's so great to hear that because I, I definitely get the world, the benefits of world schooling. I really do. Right. But then there's the reality that you, you're coming to come, for those yeah. of you that come back, back where the majority of people do um, yes. that you want to make sure your kids don't suffer for it. Or if they do, it's yes. very minimal. So I think that's really yeah. important to understand. Now, did you have to like, did you speak to this girl's school before? Make sure everybody was on board. Like, what was that like? Yes, yes, I did. In fact, so I and again, the. The, the main thing was math. So, I, and I did meet with every teacher, but the, you know, English social studies, I just said, Hey, here's what we're doing. And they were like, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're covered for math. I sat down very specifically with him because they, one was in pre-algebra and one was in algebra one. And I just said, okay, tell me exactly what you're going to be covering in the second and third nine weeks. Um, and then I, 
found a curriculum and just lined it up where when they came back, they would be exactly where their classes were. That's great. No, I love yes. that. I, I really and, think it's important to hear that stuff. Yes. And and, and math is, is really, truly the only thing that I think is that, um, I guess, regimented or that prescriptive to where you really need to be at a certain place. As, and, and they were like, my daughters were, you know, they were already strong in language arts. And so as long as you just keep them reading and writing, then it's the best thing you can do for their English is keep them reading and writing. That makes sense. Now, so curriculum, like everything fell into place. How was it for them when they returned socially? Socially, it, we would say it was truly like we pushed pause. We went away for five months. We came back, we pushed play. Like they just bounced right back in, you know, they're in fact, their friends had given them a surprise going away party before we left. And and we never really had a defined return date. It was just fluid and we just figured it out. And so we never told anybody when we were coming back. And so we ended up surprising their friends. So we came back and we we, we snuck back in. We had some friends who didn't have kids pick us up from the airport. So there's no way that the secret would get out. And the next day they showed up in their cafeteria at lunchtime and everybody flipped out. And and it was just, it was great. It was a sweet moment and they were back. And then that so was you it. you didn't ruin Delaney's life? We did not ruin her life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, and, and spoiler alert um, on that, I mean, to that end, she ends up and and this is a big spoiler alert for the, for the end of the book, but um, she actually went back as a high school senior and delivered a keynote speech at International Day to her entire middle school of six or 700 students about how travel had changed her life. And so it, it was a really, it, me I know. it really does, because it's just, here's this girl that most parents will be like, okay, I'm not going to ruin your life. Forget it. Honestly, right. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking to hear that you are your kid feels so passionate about how much you're going to ruin your life and you don't want to be the reason to have go from that. You stick to your guns and doing it. I'm sure wondering, I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing right. to coming back and she's speaking to the school about how beneficial it was to her and and how much it changed her. Yes. And it's funny because it's it's just the irony is just hilarious because she literally I remember the day that it was her last day there when we pulled her out and she is sobbing and all of her friends are hugging her. And she's I mean, it was like a funeral. She was that upset, bawling her eyes out. And then full circle, four years later, she stands up and tells these kids how it's the greatest thing that ever happened to her. Oh, that's so amazing. I love it. Yeah, that is. So, and I'm sure your other daughter felt that way, but she wasn't she didn't do as yes. much of a 180 because or 360 because she had already was excited about it. So just exactly right. Right. But if that yeah. doesn't tell you the power of travel, I don't know what will really, you right. know, in, in, in the eyes of a teenager who doesn't want to go to yes. change her that much. I don't I don't know how much of a testament, how much more of a testament to travel 
that you can have than that, you know? I know. And how powerful it can be. So when these parents, and then that's what I'm trying to get past, right? The parents that say, you know, when they're older to appreciate it or or when they're old enough to remember all of it or they're old enough to, no, you don't understand what you're building. You're creating these adults. Every trip adds up. Every experience adds up. So I love that. I love that so much. So I know you said it's the best, best thing for her life, but or best thing that she ever did. But how would you say this this particular sabbatical changed the girls? Uh, it just gave them, I mean, really all of us, such an appreciation for the freedoms that we have as Americans that so many people don't even realize our freedoms. And just just one example, just and this is just one. Actually, I'll give two as far as on on the freedom on the freedom train is um you know when we first went to thailand you know i had to say hey you need to be sure you don't say anything negative about the king or the royal family and they're like what and i'm like no you like you can go to prison and and it's so weird you know we live in a country where bashing our president no matter who's in office like it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on it, it is it is like a it's just a national pastime to bash our president. Anybody can say anything they want. It can be as offensive, as crude as whatever. And it's fine. Like there are no repercussions. And, um, and, and then to go to a place where you have to say, no, really, don't like don't say the king's wife is ugly. Like <laughs> and not that they would. But it was I just yeah. remember as a parent having to be having to think through all these little things that they that we take for granted that we just don't realize is such a freedom. And then another one was when we were in Vietnam, we met um, these four Germans that were traveling together and they were, it was two German couples. They were in their twenties and, and we just struck up a conversation and we told them what we were doing. And they were like, wait, what you, you put your kids out of school. And we're like, yeah, yeah. We're just, you know, homeschooling. And they said, well, you realize that if you lived in Germany, your kids would fail their grade and you would be in prison. And we were like, what? And they said, oh, yeah, you can't homeschool in Germany. Interesting. It's not allowed. And it's like just just little things like that, that to think that not everywhere in the world, the parents have the freedom to decide what is the best education for their kids. Yeah. Which is mind blowing because, and they said it too, they were like, that's crazy because of course what, what your kids are experiencing is just so much greater than they would ever learn in a classroom. So that's just, just two things on, on, on the freedom front. But then as far as just really appreciating diversity and, and developing um, just just an appreciation for all of our differences. And I'll tell you, I think it's so powerful, especially in middle school, because in middle school, everyone, nobody wants to be different, right? I mean, everyone, they want to look the same. They want to dress the same. They want to be the same. They want to talk the same. It's all about being the same. And to, for them to go to places where you just, you realize it is, it is our differences and it is the diversity in the world that makes our world so beautiful. And to think, ah, if we were all the same, this would be such a boring, such a boring world. I a hundred percent agree. That is definitely something that I hope everyone 
learns that diversity is what makes our country, our, our world, such a wonderful place to live. We are very, very lucky. And if we embraced it, just imagine. Oh, imagine, imagine how great it would be if we embraced diversity instead. And it's it's so powerful, you know, because we can tell our kids all day long, oh, you know, you need to be tolerant of people who are different and, um, you know, diversity is great. And you can just say all those things. But what's so powerful is to put your kids in a situation where all of a sudden they are the ones who are different. They are the ones who are in the minority. They are the ones who who do not fit in. And um, that is such a powerful lesson. Definitely. And and it's 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 interesting, too, because when you think about it, you can tell your kids this. Right. But you might not realize that. Just simple interaction is because they're from a different country, like say, for example, I was speaking with somebody. uh, My previous podcast was with somebody who lives in Zambia. She's from Georgia, but she lives in Zambia now. And if you just go up and I see at the grocery store and I say, where's the apples? They're going to be insulted, right? Because that's mm. not what you do there. You take the time. We talk about our lives. We get to know each other. It's it's more of a community there. So right. you can, but I'm not intending to do that. Like I'm not intending to right. hurt anybody or insult anybody. That's the thing. It's like you can tell, you know, respect diverse cultures and respect other people, but you don't realize until you actually go to these countries and experience these cultures, what that really means. It's one thing to say, right. but you might not understand that you're insulting someone or doing something. You 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 can do it in unintentionally, but you don't realize it until you're actually there. Am I making sense? Right. Yeah. <laughs> perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. So I love that. And I do love, you know, that's definitely one of the things when you travel, no matter what country you go to, it makes you appreciate what you have at home. Or, or, and I should say, and it makes you see difference, a different way of doing things, right? Yes. So we don't realize how lucky we are in America, at least that, that freedom of speech, but it's not like that everywhere around the world makes you appreciate that. Now, likewise, say, for example, you don't realize how people eat differently, you know, makes you appreciate that or, you know, Ooh, that's a different way of doing things that that's the whole point of traveling, right? It's makes you appreciate what you have at home, but it's something that you can teach your kids and tell your blue in the face, you know, respect this or appreciate this. But until they see it, like, wait a minute, they can't do that or they can't say that or they're doing this. It doesn't usually hit home. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah, for sure. And it's just it it's so interesting, too, because we've taken our daughters to, you know, they've they've experienced cultures and gone and, and stayed with an indigenous tribe where the women are all topless and the men wear nothing but a very skimpy loincloth. And they've spent time in cultures where it's scandalous for your knees or your elbows to show. Yes. And then just learning, you know, the. The, the views on modesty or what's acceptable, it, it just changes. And, and you just, you have to just respect whichever culture you're in. But I love it. Again, it, it opened their eyes though, right? It opened their yes. eyes. Oh, yes. I love that. Now this sabbatical, this first one specifically, mm-hmm. how did it change the relationship between all, between your girls, between mm-hmm. your family? Like what were the changes you saw there? You know, it's funny because they're, you know, sisters and they're close in age. So they would squabble a lot at home. Right. So because, I mean, it's easy to 
argue with your sister when you've got to get a friend to go hang out with later, right? You don't have to get along with your sister. When your sister becomes the only friend that you have for five months, you tend to get along a lot better. Yeah. So that, you know, they, they certainly grew closer because of that. And, and, and really all of us, because I mean, in in 24-7 family time for five months, that's intense. That's really intense. And we literally were together. (laughs) With the exception, there was one day when our daughters went and spent a day at at an international school. And I simply just set it up because I thought they they need to be around some kids. Because most of the places that we were traveling... Um, even if there were kids their ages, they didn't speak the same language. And so, um, you know, their interactions weren't, you know, couldn't, they just didn't have too many people they could play with. Right. So they, they were really stuck. It was the four of us together for five months. And so we always welcomed the opportunity when we met English speakers to talk <laughs> to spend time with them but yeah. but it, but about halfway through our trip we were in um Hoi An, Vietnam and I looked them up and they had a, a small international school and I just I emailed them and said hey we're world schooling my girls could really just spend a day hanging out with some other kids <laughs> could they come spend the day at your school and they said yeah they sure can and it was so great and um Nice. In fact, that, that was one of their favorite days of that entire time was going to this international school. It was mostly kids from Australia and Europe whose parents uh, worked probably for the government. And, and you know, they transferred to Hoi An. So they were at this school because it was English speaking and they absolutely had the best time. And, and, and all the kids, they, they spent their day just comparing their cultures. And even the, you know, and these were all English speaking kids from Western cultures and just, it was just, it was a great, it was a great experience. That's great though. That's a great idea. I mean, that's something because that is something when you world school, there's a lot of hubs um, as yeah. I've been informed of. So that in, in that way that you, the kids can meet other kids. Um, so something to keep in mind and you obviously felt that need. So you found something. So there's other ways of doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. And and I right because I've listened to some of your podcasts with the world schoolers who and they and those hubs are amazing and they they tend to be people who kind of go and stay in one place for a longer period yes. of time. Right. So they get to form those communities and they form those friendships. And I would say that's the hard thing about rapid travel is is you're not anywhere long enough to establish relationships. And so you really, really lean on each other you you are each other's relationships yeah and that's a good point but you found a way right there's still a way you found a way there's to still have a, the girls yeah. you know interact and and maybe now that you know that option or other people that are considering doing something similar maybe just seek out a few of those in a couple different countries and then the girls will have yes. that or the yeah it was that experience that's a great it point. was a great and we also met and this was this was really special we met a family an Australian family while we were in Vietnam and then we were headed to Australia after Vietnam. So we ended up getting to go to their house for dinner when we got to Australia and they, they lived in Sydney. And so that was, that was, it was just, 
it was such a small world kind of moment to think, okay, we're American and they're Australian and we met in Asia and then we had dinner at their house in Australia three weeks later. I love that. That's great. I, that's, I love the people you meet when you travel. <laughs> I know. There's just nothing like it. There really isn't. And what I've said before is is when people offer welcome you to come to their house, they mean it. <laughs> they do. Yes. yes. So take them up on that. Wherever you meet people around the world, when they say something, they mean it. But likewise, don't offer unless you mean it. You know, that's right. <laughs> because that's right. they'll take you up on it, too. Okay, now Passport Project. Let's mm. speak about your book, because this was inspired by the first yes. sabbatical, correct? Yes, it, yes. So the entire book covers, it just covers that one trip. And, um, and the, way it is, the way it is written is it has three parts. So part one is the bubble and that, you know, we all live in bubbles. And so that's, that was their normal life here. It, at home. Okay. So that part one was the bubble. And then part two is the world. And in the world, the readers travel to, to 12 countries across four continents. And so each chapter is a different country. And at the end of every chapter, there's a passport lesson. Like every chapter had a theme, some are good, some are bad, kind of what happened, but, but there was like a, a, a passport lesson. And part three is is actually a time hop at the end of the book and that's called the difference and it and it wraps up how each girl changed and and the impact that that trip had on her life i love that i cannot wait to read your book i really can't and i i i love it okay so what would you like readers to know about your book oh well I would like to say that it is eat, pray, love for families, but it's probably more like Diary of a Wimpy Kid meets National Geographic meets The Amazing Race. Okay. So, <laughs> so because you have, because, so what I did was I, I love travel memoirs and there are so many and I've read the ones by individuals. I've read the ones by couples. I've read the ones by families, but what I did was I wrote mine from Delaney and Riley's perspectives. And so it is written from their 12 and 14 year old perspectives. I wanted something that teens and tweens could read that, that was written for them. You know, not everybody. I mean, I get that not everybody is going to have the opportunity to explore the far corners of the world, but, but everybody can open a book and, there are no travel memoirs out there that are really geared for a younger audience. And so, so it is written from their perspectives. You know, you can take the kids out of middle school. You cannot take the middle school out of kids. And so they were dealing with all the adolescent anxiety and awkwardness and just all that stuff. But they were also constantly navigating new customs, new cultures, new religions, and so it's, it's, it's an entertaining read. It's, uh, it's probably a lot more entertaining than if it were written from an adult point of view, because yeah. anything written from a middle schooler's point of view is, is going to be interesting, but it, 
it is being used beginning this school year in some middle schools as part of the social studies curriculum. I can see that being so beneficial because, you know, you usually read these boring textbooks. How great right. to, to hear it from kids your age. Yes. You know, from there, I, I can I'm I'm love that. I'm so happy. And I hope you continue to expanding it into as many schools as possible, because, again, it's for some kids, this might be the only real world experience they're going to get. Right. Um, exactly. Right. So right. I love that. Congratulations on that. Thank now, you. Without giving away any twists in your book, because I do know one that I'm I, I, oh. I, I'm not going to find out what happened until you read it. But there is a little twist in your book. Well, how much do you want me to give away? It is quite the That's climax. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's just say, hmm, okay, well, they're, they're, well, should I say? <laughs> That's fine. You can go right ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, so, so our story, our story, it is a true story. Everything that happens in the book happened in real life and some of it's, great but a lot of it is is not great and and the climax of our story was we were detained in china and um we were ultimately deported but it was it was a harrowing scary eye-opening experience i couldn't even imagine i couldn't even imagine and and just reading that experience in your book from their perspective yeah. Oh my. I mean, from adults' perspective, from a kid's perspective. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. What a what a you experienced it all. That's for sure. Something we, that yep. nobody will ever experience that part of it. But uh, you know, right. wow. Yeah. Now I know you said like this is written for the the tweens and the and the teens, so they can read it as well. But and and, and you said this is a cross between a couple different types of books to give people an idea. But who mm-hmm. So who overall would enjoy reading your book? Oh, okay. Anybody who loves travel will love it. Any parent would love it, especially just the family dynamic of, of you know, siblings, you know, sister, you, you have, you just have so many elements to it. You, you can look at it from a, through a parenting lens and what, what is that like to spend 24 seven as a family for an extended period of time from a sibling perspective you know it's a great sibling adventure so it it's funny my my readers have literally ranged from 9 to 87 and it crosses generational lines it crosses racial lines it crosses gender lines like it has been universally appreciated by by all of those groups. And so if you like travel, if you like adventure, if you like culture, if you like family stories, it's a fun read. And where can they get your book? Uh, It is available at all of the online retailers. Wherever you buy your books, it is available. Um, You could request it from your local bookstore. They can order it. And you could also, some libraries have it. And if if your library doesn't, if you request it, then they will most likely get it for you. Okay. And to purchase online, you have a website. Oh, no. 
Not quite yet. We're working on that. <laughs> no, so it's available. So right. So it's on Amazon. It's on Apple. It's on um, Barnes and Noble. Like it's on all. It's on Google Play. It's it's on all the um, just all the places online. It's both in print and ebook. But and even can, if they want to learn more, what's your website though? Let's because you have your blog my, yes. as well. So. Yes. Okay. So to learn more about the book, it is the passportprojectbook.com and our website where you can get tips on how to go on some amazing adventures for a realistic amount of money is forwarnpassports.com. And that's the number four worn is in worn out for warnpassports.com. Great. Great. Okay. Now, I know we kind of started talking, so we have to wrap up for time purposes, but briefly, can you just talk about your second sabbatical? Yes. So, um, so Riley, who's the younger one, who's the super adventurous one. Well, every year after we came back from the first sabbatical, my husband and I would say, well, y'all, y'all want to do this again. And Delaney would always say no. And Riley would always say yes. And so um, when at the, at the beginning of Riley's senior year of high school, Delaney was a freshman in college. So she was now out of the house and she was in college. Riley came to us and said, what if we do it again? And, um, and, and she's in fact, starting her senior year of high school. Which she's is in the biggest. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. tells you how much this girl likes to travel. She was willing to miss a chunk of her senior year for us to travel. And so we we planned it where we she missed January and February of her senior year. So so what we did is uh, over Christmas break, we all went to India. And after our India trip, we put Delaney on a plane back to college. And then just the three of us traveled um, for another six weeks. So we traveled basically through the through the end of February. And again, so she's a senior in high school. She was in an AP biology class. I mean, she's in, I mean, you know, real classes. Now we're talking high school and it really still did not matter when I tell you, you can miss school and it is okay. She, she just kept up with her, uh, her biology and her, uh, whatever, her government class. I think she did Khan Academy. And she just wrote again for the blog for English. And it it was so not a big deal. And then she went right back to school and graduated. And she actually went to college on a full academic scholarship. So when I tell you, it it does yeah, not derail your key. It amazes me because you would think high school is, especially your senior year, is when you absolutely do not want them to miss any school. And here you are for two months and she's still graduating AP. You said, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. AP. AP yeah. And, and, and she's graduating and wow. And it, I know. But so here was the secret to the senior year though. I, I do believe the junior year of high school is so important. That's it. It is probably the most difficult, the most important by the spring semester of your senior year everything's done. 
Like you need a lot of been, electives. I guess that's a good point. It's a lot of electives at that stage, right? It is. Well, and not only that. Well, I mean, now I mean, she still had all these requirements, math and science and all that. But as far as she'd been admitted to college, she had her scholarships in place. You've you've taken your ACTs and your SATs. Like all of that's done. You're just you're just checking the boxes to get to that's graduation. And point. so that's why I would say if if your kid is willing to miss, uh, you know, their senior year like ours was, it was no big deal at all to to miss those two months. And then she slid right back in. She just said, oh, I just want to be back in time to go to prom. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, did you guys just talk to the teachers beforehand to see what she needed to cover? And that was that? Yes, we did. Well, what's funny? I think she she came home from school one day before she'd even broached the subject with us. She had gone to her vice principal and said, hey, I'd like to you know, miss a couple of months of school. I'd like to do this thing. She got it cleared and worked out. And then she came home and she was like, hey, by the way, I've already worked it out with the school. Can we go do this? <laughs> Wow. Wow. She and wanted my, to go. And and I'm sorry, where did you go on this trip? Okay, so on that one, so we all started in India, then we sent Delaney back. And then we went to the Maldives. We went to Laos. We went back to Cambodia because on our first trip we had just gone to Siem Reap. We did not go to Phnom Penh and we really, really wanted mm-hmm. to go to the killing fields. And mm-hmm. um, so Talk anyway, about so a we history went, lesson there, right? Exactly. That's yeah. So powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we went to Myanmar and Singapore. And we feel so blessed to have seen Myanmar when we did, you know, as if you followed Mm -hmm. it, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you you couldn't go there now. It's, it's um, anyway, it's sad what's going on there now. We feel blessed that we were able to see it when we did. It, It was magical. Yeah. Okay. Another, another great trip. And, and, oh, does Delaney miss not going? Like, did she, was she bummed she didn't go? You know, it's funny. She, I think she was shocked that we went without her. She said, I can't believe you're doing that. And we said, we have given you every opportunity. You did not want to go. (laughs) Now you are in college and we are going. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Now I want to, cause we, we do have to wrap this up, but there are a few things I yes. wanted to say still. Um, yeah. You've traveled so many different places, so many different countries. What are your tips? Like, how do you afford to do it? Because as mm. we spoke about, it's not like you guys are just have money coming out galore. I mean, right. you still have to make this work. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I would say my number one tip is let the destination pick you. You don't pick the destination. And what I mean by that is if you set your heart on, oh, I want to go to Paris this summer or I want to go on a safari or I want to go wherever, whatever place you name. And then you start building your trip around that. It is inevitable. You will spend so much for airfare. And and, and when you travel overseas, that is your single biggest expense. And so we have always been very open about where we go. You know, we're, we, we just want to see the world. And, and so we will just wait until we see a deal. And when we see a deal that that's how we decide where we're going. I love that. Yeah. So that's, if you can just have that approach and I love scotch, 
I subscribe to them. And but there are a number of different um, airfare newsletters where you can get deals. I just I think Scott's is the best. But um, <laughs> but and she's not so, getting a kickback for saying that. That's I, yeah, really I, just what she feels. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an affiliate. I am I am not on the payroll. I am nothing. I just I just um, really love their website. So. If you can be open about where you go, because most places in the world, you would have a fabulous timeline. There's stuff to see everywhere. And so that's my first tip. You know, other tip, of course, is if you can travel off season. And even if you're stuck to um, like something like Christmas break, of course, that's peak season for airfare. But if you can maybe leave a week early or come back a week later, then that can really affect your airfare when you're trying to travel during those peak seasons. Um, and we love boutique. It's like just small locally owned boutique hotels. Those are the, or, you know, Airbnbs or guest houses. We're big fans of, you know, two and three star, just authentic locally owned guest houses. And I think you get a richer experience doing that. And, um, less expensive than staying in yeah. the American branded hotel. But it's, it's again, it's, you're able to see all these countries because you do these things, right? You don't stay yeah. in these fancy hotels and people can definitely do that. Yeah. But this is more speaking to the people who say they can't afford to travel or, right. you know, they want to do more countries, but they can't afford it because of that. It's like, well, then there's other ways you could cut down. And like with the boutique hotels, it's like, yes, you're, you're, not going to be at a five star, but it's also you're getting a richer cultural experience too. So, mm. yeah, yes. I think that's, that's great. Cool. And then I know you also mentioned about you booking local as much as possible. Yes, yes, especially <clears throat> like take India for example. When we went to India, like I, I had a really good idea of what I wanted to do, but there are a lot of moving parts to to India and. And that's a place now we normally take public transportation, but that is definitely a place I would recommend that you have a driver. And but rather than booking, say, even a private tour through an American based company, I say you find the Indian company, you know, you find the locally owned tour company and then work with them directly. Mm-hmm. And that it, it will get you the best experience at the best price. Got it. Love those tips. Thank you for sharing. Now, before we wrap it up, what advice do you have for parents considering a sabbatical? Oh, do it, do it, do it. Um, You know, it's so easy to convince yourselves that your job will never recover or that that you just shouldn't do it. Or it's just very it's very easy to talk yourself out of it. It's, it's easy to have the dream and then to rationalize why it's just not the right time. And, and we were in that same boat. And I'm just so grateful that that we did it anyway. And I'll also tell you, too, I have travel anxiety. I, I'm very um, fatalistic. I have all these horrible thoughts before we ever leave on a trip. I always think worst case scenario. And. And if I listen to those, I mean, thankfully, my love for travel is even stronger than, yeah, <laughs> than, wow. my, than my anxieties about things. But I would say 
do it. And, you know, it's been like, like where you are right now with an eight year old. I mean, that's, you feel like, oh, he's only eight. I have so much time with him, but I am telling you that childhood, it goes by in a blink and you never get these years back. You never get them back and you will never, ever regret having, having made travel a priority for your kids. Yeah, no, I, I do get it. (laughs) I do get it. I really do. And I will definitely just, you know, as a single mom, I think it's a little different since we have, um, I have a, a, a dad to think about. So right. as much as I would love to take my son away and I know I could do it, it's it's more for his dad. So that does, right. doesn't mean it's going to stop me. It's just I have to yeah. break him up a little bit more and I'm working on him to do a little bit longer each time. So right. trust me, I, I get how much of his priority and, and, and I just, I'm only saying that mainly so people know it's like, I get the struggle too. I'm a single mom. <laughs> you know, right. it's not, it's not easy for everyone, but the point is I, I will, I know it's priority and I make it work. I just do it differently. Right. And, and as he gets older and I work on his dad a little bit more, I just, eventually I would love right. to take him for a sabbatical. So we'll see. Well, thank you, Kelly. Oh, so much fun speaking with you and, and, and oh, I, I love this. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I know your book is going to go far. Like I said, I can't wait. I would love to see that thank it's in you. my son's middle school by the time he gets there. Oh. That would be great. And, and, uh, for anyone who um, do you want, I, I'm going to just kind of t- talk about you a little bit because you're going to be speaking next month. So for anybody who's there, do you want to share where you're going to be? Oh, yes. Um, at the There's an author conference called the 20 Books to 50K Conference. It's in Vegas next month. And I will be on a memoir panel and so thank you for mentioning that. Yes, I'm very yeah, excited you know, to it's talk it's about. Very exciting. As self-published authors, you know, we got to help each other. So thank yes. you again, Kelly, for coming on the show. Such a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing where your book goes. Thank you, Erica. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed the show, make sure to follow us on Facebook at Planes, Trains, Kids Abroad to get updates on upcoming podcasts, share your own overseas travel adventures, or ask questions from other parents who have traveled abroad. If you would like to join me as a guest on the show, please sign up at planestrainskidsabroad.com and help me to inspire other families to experience their own overseas travel adventures. I want to thank you for listening to the show and thank Ray Ortiz for providing music for the show. Until next time.